You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes Detter and I appear with, always... Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1985 classic, Demons. And it is a classic, too. It's beyond a classic. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of those classic horror films that we don't really talk about too much. I don't hear it discussed too much in the horror community, even though when people bring it up, everyone's, oh, oh yeah, 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 no, yeah, Demons is awesome. But and it's it- like sample heaven. There's so many little clips used... In intros of other podcasts, in other horror shows, they play clips of this whenever they're talking about horror in a horror documentary. There's a musicians that use samples from this. Like, it's fucking sample heaven. So it definitely is horror reference heaven. This movie has a lot of pedigree around it because of the fact that it is produced and written by Dario Argento and directed by Lamberto Bava, who's Mario Bava's kid. Yeah. So when you're talking about horror and you're talking about... Horror coming out of Italy. These are definitely names that you want attached to it. And then when you're going to have demons, these guys had the right idea. We're going to make this as metal as fuck. Just fucking awesome soundtrack. And then we're going to make it ooey gooey, splatterfest fun. And then we're just going to go. Yeah, as far as horror films, it's probably the most digestible and accessible of films from Italian filmmakers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because of the fact that it has heavy action beats in it. Not to say that it's an action movie, but there's some pretty action-y stuff in it. So, yeah, for sure. It's it's not like it's not like you're going to sit someone down in front of a twitch of the death nerve and say, go. Yeah. Here, here you go. Here's some Italian horror. <laughs> Get excited. Mm-hmm. What? You don't look excited. Wait, are you falling asleep? Yeah. That can happen. That can definitely happen. And there's some scenes in this that are very, you know, giallo. And especially like near the end where you wouldn't expect there to be more quiet, atmospheric, and emotional scenes. Mm-hmm. Like sort of quasi-emotional. It's not very emotional. But it's got such intensity that you nearly forget that it is like super fucking intense. Really like Escape from New York sort of intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. happening in this. No, yeah, that's a really good call. The giallo genre of horror, for some people, is the whole game. They love that subgenre of horror. And coming out of the 1970s and the 80s, when you had people like Dario Argento and Mario Bava and Fulci creating all kinds of horror films. And we've done a a couple of um, older Italian horrors before. Like we said, Twitch of the Death Nerve. Um, we did Tombs of the Blind Dead way back in the day. I, I want to revisit that almost someday because I, I want to watch all of them. Mm-hmm. We could probably do like a... Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Like, would Just you guys mush them all into one. Would you guys be fine with that? Could we do like a like three movies and talk about three movies in one episode? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I think so too. And you know what? Because of the fact that you can go back and listen... Uh, to the Tombs of the Blind Dead episode. The interesting thing about that, guys listening, is even though it's not chronologically our first episode, it is actually the first episode that 
Liddy and I ever sat down and recorded together. So the 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 sound isn't that great. It's not very long. And also, I didn't really know Lydia that well back in those days. I'm pretty sure this was the first time I was ever in your home. So we're a little awkward. You were probably a little scared. A little, a little scared. scared. I've seen a lot of horror movies, and there's a lot of people in the movies that look kind of like Lydia. That just might kill me. I don't know. I'm a kind of a... I have, like, bouts where I'm a really sociable guy, and then I have other thing situations where I'm really awkward and shit. And so when I listen back to that episode, I'm like, why am I talking to Lydia so weird? Why does it sound so awful? Why does it sound so awkward? And I'm like, right, because I haven't known Lydia for years at this time, at this point. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> and by funny, I mean terrible. So I'd be definitely down for the Blind Dead is it comes in a really uh, inexpensive box set. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I almost want to toss out doing four movies in one. Could we do four movies in one? Do you think you could fit four in there? Four films in one. Four? Yeah. What's that? Just thinking, you know, the Vomit Gore trilogy. Chris had mentioned on the last episode, I don't know if he was kidding because it's really hard to tell if Chris is kidding. On the last episode of Bind Torture Cast, episode 130, which I was on. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, if you guys, that's something I want to point out to people. If you guys like Lydia and who doesn't? You can Me? get. I don't like Lydia. <laughs> she fucking sucks. <laughs> well, I think everyone else likes her. So if you have an opportunity, dear listeners, to get twice as much Lydia in your week, just go back and listen to episode 130 of Bind Torture Cast. It's a great conversation between two fast friends. And the best thing about it is they say nice things about me. That was the point of the episode, really, truly. It wasn't about getting to hang out with Chris. It wasn't about watching an amazing movie, Decay. Mm-hmm. It was about how could we wiggle in a few nice words about Wes. <laughs> and one of those nice words, well, it wasn't even really, about <laughs> Lucifer <laughs> Valentine's Vomit Gore trilogy. Yeah. And with the fourth one, I, I would we'd kind of have to, you know, round it out like that. Okay. Would you be down for that? Would I be down for watching the Vomit Gore trilogy? Now, plus Lydia, four. The Vomit Gore trilogy plus? Quadrilogy. Yeah. Uh, I've always told our listeners that when they're requesting films, nothing is off the table as far as I'm concerned. The tough nut sometimes is you. Oh, I've seen them. So, would I be willing to do it? I have not seen any of these movies. I've seen the trailers for them. Awesome. I don't really see how there's a movie in there. But, sure. Fine. I will do... The Vomit Gore Quadrilogy at some point in the show if you really fucking want to. Guys, don't fucking Google. The, don't Google it. <laughs> Please do. It's gross. <laughs> it's, it depends on your point of view. My point of view is it's gross. Well, vomit's gross. Yeah. Death is gross. Death is gross. Blood is gross. You know, milky white pus is gross, and that's what we're doing tonight. Yeah, that's true. You know, a lot of milky white pus, green pus, stuff like that. So, like... It's not really that removed from the genre. I have this disconnect in my brain when, when you're telling people they're throwing up into something, someone. We'll see with Slaughtered Vomit Dolls what you think. And we'll discuss. Come on. It's just like we got high back chairs. We got antique furniture. You know what I'm saying? I got my, I'm drinking out of a straw. It's a classy joint. Hey, man, I had to go and class up by and torture cast. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, maybe we, no, I didn't. Maybe we need a little patina, maybe we, I'm down, so, yeah. Anyway, back to more different puke. Demons. Demons. 
So the movie Demons came out back in 1985. I didn't see it until a lot later on in my life, probably the mid-90s, when I saw it on uh, Movie Picks, which was a television service that we had here, or have maybe still here in Canada. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but it basically afforded me, if you have a lot of people wonder like how I had access to so many old horror movies without breaking the bank all the time. It's mostly because of that. It's because of the fact that every month there was just like a new set of movies coming in from the seventies and the eighties and the sixties to my house. And I didn't, I mean, my dad paid the bill, but I didn't pay it. So it was always that. And so I remember watching demons one and two actually in one sitting and absolutely loving it because this was the type of horror that I really gravitated towards as a kid, which was, oh, I wanted it to be this fucking gross. I wanted it to be this wet and wild and because I wanted to feel like I wasn't supposed to be watching it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to explain that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think if I would have been able to watch Demons when I wanted to watch Demons when I saw it in the rental store mm-hmm. and became transfixed with it, which happened with quite a few titles, mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to watch it. Like, for a while, I was too afraid to ask if I could watch it because it looked too scary with the demon on the cover. Like, I love the cover, mm-hmm. the original one, anyway, for the VHS. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to to work up the nerve to ask if I could rent it, and I was told I couldn't rent it for a while. I'm sure my parents might have seen it. I don't know. Um, but I'm glad that I didn't see it till I was like probably 16 or so mm-hmm. because it probably would have scared the hell out of me. And not only because of what gore there is, because mm-hmm. it's pretty gory and it's very, very yeah. graphic as far as yeah. people getting torn apart and ripped to shreds mm-hmm. and cut up. And like, it's, it's very, very intense that way. I think that the scenes of them being trapped would have scared me even more. You pointed that out when we were watching it. And at the time when I first watched it, it didn't really occur to me that those scenes were really, really intense. But looking back on it, especially with your perspective, with that soundtrack, um, I completely agree. The panicked nature of what's going on with these characters trying to get out of this movie theater is really intense. It is super intense. And I think that as far as like, Keeping the tension through this movie, it does a really, really, really good job of that with the idea of these people trying to slowly figure out what is going wrong, what's happening to their friends, the fact that they're trapped, the fact that there's other now infected demons. I keep saying infected and I feel dirty every time I say it because it just reminds (laughs) me of fucking zombies, so fuck zombies. But like them having to have this them or us situation in such a closed space that they're trapped in, like it is very, very scary and intense. But they break that fucking tension. They break that tension. Oh, they do. And we will get into that. In the dumbest fucking way. (laughs) The movie opens on a train. And you have our young heroine. But we don't know that's going to be her just yet. But what we do have on this train is a lot of, what are they, like punks? Call them punks? I guess so. Yeah. A lot of cool hair. A lot of cool hair. Multicolored hair. Some people got patterns shaved in their hair. I mean, some of them are wearing black. Probably. Yeah, you could probably color treat this and it would look like a train in any large city nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty interesting with the timelessness. There's films. Um, I heard Fred Decker talking about Monster Squad. And one of the things about that film is that it is so trapped in its time. Thanks to fashion, hairstyles, things like that. Things like that that just scream 80s. There's a lot in Demons that scream 80s. 
Oh, hell yeah. I mean, the music screams 80s. <laughs> Seriously. Like, it literally does scream Yeah, I'm pretty sure 80s. Billy Idol is just screeching 80s over and over, <laughs> and over again. Pretty much. <laughs> but there are, like, things like the hairstyles and the fashion that is coming back into style. Mm-hmm. Like, your favorite gum. And it fits. And it still fe- it has a sense of timelessness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I find that when you're looking for... I don't know about you when it comes to how you watch your horror. How you watch anything, but but this is a horror podcast, so we'll stick to horror. Hanging upside down from the ceiling like I watch all my things. So when you're watching horror, sometimes what I want is something that is just oh so 80s. But doesn't necessarily need to be produced in the 80s. Or if it is produced in the 80s, sometimes it doesn't even count to me. I want, I'm looking for a specific aesthetic. Right. So sometimes when I'm looking at a horror movie or I'm looking to watch a horror movie, I'm like, oh, man, only chopping mall will do. It has to be some stupid kawazai sci-fi cardboard cutout horror movie. It has to have like that exact 80s aesthetic or Summer Party Massacre or um, Trick or Treat. (laughs) something right that has a specific 80s vibe night of the demons oh my god like that's so great for that vibe it really is demons also has that just ooh so good 80s vibe because of the hairstyles because there's like 80s punks in it there's 80s uh metal music in it but it's all directed within an inch of its life obviously thanks to baba so it's not like you just rolled these fucking people out of bed, which a lot of these 80s horror films look like. Yeah. Like, they literally just rolled people out of bed. And if they happen to be wearing their 100% muscle sleeveless fucking sweater <laughs> and a red bandana around their head and <laughs> way too much gel from last night in their hair. Yeah. That's what they fucking wore, it seems. Like, the costuming just seems like they really literally rolled out of bed. Or they went to a high school and just grabbed the most colorful girls. Mm-hmm. Right? But... In this, there's a lot more care and attention. Mm-hmm. Like that girl's hair with the crisscross, like weird fade shave pattern in the back of her head. That was like freshly done. And you could tell it wasn't like they just found her in a mall and was like, hey, we need an extra. Mm-hmm. Which is what it feels like with a lot of 80s horror. Yeah, no, that's true. There's definitely a, a, a sense of costuming to it. Uh, it's manic- meticulously set decorated, meticulously mm-hmm. not as ex- Not as extensive as something like Return of the Living Dead. Where, I mean, the those characters are dressed up oh so specifically yeah, to to have a certain aesthetic. But I get what you're saying. Because, yeah, they struck a balance here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas, whereas like something like Return of the Living Dead almost seems, it's like a comic book to uh, come to life to me. If you were to, like to draw a, a cartoony picture of a, of a punk, <laughs> that's what's in it. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, for sure. This definitely seems like... All of these punks were probably getting ready to go to like a punk show or, or you know, uh, some sort of, I'm trying to think of like something that like, like a punk prom. Like all oh, punks like really need to make sure that their hair's on point, their patches on their vests are just sewn oh so right. You went to this exact thing last night. Why don't you tell us, Wes? <laughs> well, yeah, but that was so impromptu for me that I couldn't imagine. Well, you know what? There was definitely people there. Uh, I saw Michael Graves yesterday at Mavericks here in Ottawa, and I 
had so much fun. But it was a very last, very, very last minute thing for me. That's kind of like a punk prom. It is kind of like a punk prom. But there definitely were people there that were dressed to the nines. Yeah. So. That would be a good example. It just, you know, came to my head. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's what you did last night. You know. So (laughs) you're questioning what would what would people punk specifically get dressed up for just so and want to look good and like you know be getting ready to go out well because Um, they're all on the train right and so i'm assuming that they're all going somewhere well kind of i don't know it's a big city they could be going anywhere that's true like really some people dress just like that for work or school so but either way it does look like everyone's dressed up just so nice and they're freaking out poor cheryl who's just clutching her books this is the one thing that i hate about this film was is her intro as this meek mousy scaredy little thing there's some guy walking behind you in the hall who gives a fuck what Mm. is your problem well i think that it was it was weird because the direction the way that the film goes you would think that if this was a little bit more artistic then perhaps these people that she was fearful of at the start of the film Maybe it would be people that would be helping her by the end of the film. So in a, in a panic situation, you could look past someone's fashion choices to realize that they're good people underneath all of that. So you could have had that. They don't do that at all in this movie because... No. Because... There's they, some, they don't become friends. No, they don't become friends at all. Yeah. And so she doesn't really learn that just because someone might be dressed as a punk or a metalhead or whatever... He's literally a metalhead, too. Cheryl gets off the train and she is wandering around trying to just she's been attempting to meet her friend I would suppose but she's going through a subway system or a station and there seems to be someone he's got heavy boots I can tell you one weird fashion choice this motherfucker has he's got a metal face half a metal face like family opera style it is kind of like uh, family opera style or Man in the Iron Mask. Man in the Iron Mask. Looking thing. What's that? Phantom of the Paradise? Well, it's not that. No, it's not that bad. But he definitely seems to be... It's not like it's even a mask per se. It's in his flesh. He's got a robot face. Yeah. And it's not unattractive. But I don't think like he's stalking her. So she has no reason to be like squirrely and running away and fucking terrified. Well, she's all wigged out because of the punks on the train, Lydia. I, I don't know. I just I just found that way too thin. I don't know why. I, like, I'm super fucking annoyed by her introduction. It's a weird choice. I'll give you that. Like, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that, yeah, no, it's hard to defend because of the fact that it doesn't play anywhere else in the movie. And they also, like, really play up that she's carrying around Bella Bartok and, like, she's a piano player. She's learning to play piano, mm-hmm. quite obviously, to those who have taken piano lessons and stuff. Mm-hmm. But she's carrying this around all, like... It's almost like, see? See my piano music? See? Do you see it? Do you see it? And she has it upside down at one point and upside right. So you definitely notice because you're like continuity error. Yeah, you scream continuity error at the TV. (laughs) Sorry. But do they talk about her being a piano player? No, but I think it's supposed to... This is a sweet, innocent... You know, piano player, she's probably one day going to like play for an organ in a church. They just play it up so much that she is this dainty, scaredy, mousy, meek, little piano player girl... Mm -hmm. And then as soon as she meets up with her friend, it's like that all disappears. It's true. And it is an odd choice to put that into your character, especially put it onto Front Street right in the first five minutes of the flick. Because it doesn't play a, a, a part in the movie, even when things get rough and you're like, oh, okay, 
now as a character, this okay, now she's gonna fall apart in in under all this pressure. But ironically, she doesn't, and uh, more of her friend is is a lot more panicked than she is. But she does meet up with her friend because this guy in the mask isn't stalking her. He's doing something, in my opinion, way worse. Handing out pamphlets to some stupid shit that he's involved in. I can't stand that. Yeah, I hear. I, I I totally. I hate agree being. With you, I yeah. hate being handed things. And accosted and fucking yeah. I hate being handed things on the street. I don't care how good the intentions are. I was like, leave me alone, dog. Like, I'll find oh, you. I care even more when the intentions are good. If they're gonna <laughs> hand me fucking Christian stuff, and fucking anti-abortion shit, anything well, like that, fucking oh. vegan stuff. Yeah. I like vegans, but I don't like vegan stuff. If they were handing me stuff about, like, how to be bad, if they're handing me, like, satanic Bibles, anarchist cookbooks, then I'd be like, thanks, man. But people don't hand that out in the streets generally. It's always good intentions. Yeah, no, people always seek out um, uh, satanic stuff on their own. They don't need to advertise. People people go there on their own. I gladly take, and when I'm walking out of, like, Mavericks or something, and mm. someone's handing out flyers for the next punk show or the next, like, 20 shows by whatever promoter, I'll gladly take that. Mm. But... That's not like Christian stuff and anti-abortion shit. So this isn't so much uh, Christian stuff, but he is... It's because it's out of context. He's standing at a subway station handing out theater passes. With like a metal face. So I'm like, okay, he's 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 not some cyborg brought to the past to show you a movie. He's just like some artsy-fartsy theater student or something like that who's like, I'm wearing a theater mask. Like, whatever. I don't know what he's doing. It's weird. But no one seems to draw any attention to the fact that he's doing it. But she is uh, put at ease. She takes the flyer. She asks for a second one. She asks for a second one. for her, all ballsy. For her friend. Which is weird because I was like, well, if you have one and you're meeting your friend, can you not just show your friend that? Anyways, he doesn't say a word to her and, and hands it over. She meets up with her friend, uh, Kathy. And they decide to skip class. And they're going to go to a movie instead. They're going to go to this particular movie. They're going to go to this particular movie. Because they got movie. passes for it. They don't know what the movie is. There's no description of the flick. There's no title of the movie. But it's, it is a movie. It's like, a, it's like what does she refer to it as? A sneak preview. Then she goes on to describe to you what a sneak preview actually is. You know, a sneak preview where they show the movie early to people. Like, oh my God. Like, I... <laughs> I'm glad they cleared that up. I know. You know us, like, uh, great unwashed North American audiences who would have no idea what a sneak preview is. Yeah. It's like, thanks, uh, Mrs. Webster. It was the 80s. No one knew what a sneak preview was. <laughs> Who were they trying to appeal to? Anyway, go on. <laughs> um, so they go to the theater. They do go to the theater. And the cool thing about this flick that they're going to be showing is the fact that there's, um, there's promotional stuff in the theater. There's, you know, a studded mannequin on a motorcycle wielding a katana with a silver demon mask in its hand. And the theater seems to have attracted a lot of patrons. It's going to be a packed house. Yeah, we get to meet our cast of characters as they all file in. And I do like that as a device when people have to like meet somewhere and you get to meet them all as they're showing up. Because it seems like the more natural, mm-hmm. it's a more literary technique to introducing characters, right? So I really yeah. do like that. Like, yeah. like the, the Poseidon Adventure or something. Yeah, like Cranky Guy and his wife. Yeah. And- <laughs> I couldn't imagine the second that your wife says one thing to you. Just shut up or you don't notice anything or wow this dude is cornery yeah i don't like him uh blind guy and les i don't know blind guy's name just blind guy well he's definitely blind um the relationship that he has with this 
younger woman who's not exactly sure, but it seems <laughs> her job is to essentially describe the movie to him, which seems like. Is it a, is it a girlfriend? Is it a wife? Like Paramore, a... daughter? I don't know. It's hard to tell. It must be like I, I the backstory I'm building for these people is that he recently lost his eyesight and that's why he seems so helpless. And she is like totally turned off by a blind dude. Mm-hmm. And like she's like, I didn't sign up for this. Exactly. Okay. And just okay. doesn't have the heart to be like a total cold bitch, or maybe she's a great gold digger. I have no idea. But either way, um, what does he say to her? He tell okay, so he touches the mask just to see what it is, and then he tells her, "Don't touch it." <laughs> now this is like plays into the whole. How is he so perceptive to what is actually going on later in the film? Mm-hmm. Maybe, like like I said, when you're blind, all your other senses are heightened, right? Mm-hmm. He should be noticing everything around him. Does he even need her to describe the movie? When Can't he just, like, sense everything within, you know, a fucking kilometer radius? No. Like, he can't Daryl? sense. He can't sense her making out with a guy in the seat next to him in the movie theater, well, he's just like watching the movie, completely oblivious to the fact that she is necking with a dude. And like full on banging later. And she's even like, he can tell we're here. And like. No, he can't. I guess he can't not. Tell. He, can't... he can't tell that someone sat down next to the two of you and now you are sucking his face. Yeah. He can't tell anything. Yeah. <laughs> I like meet... blind guy. <laughs> I like blind guy a lot. He's a good dude. We got Tony. He's a pimp. You see, he's got. T- <laughs> I'm assuming he is. <laughs> I know, it's like uh, the said unsaid, you know, like he seems like a pimp. Yeah. But he could just be like one of their older brothers. It's true, but he smacks out one girl's ass when she's walking away from him. That's not something that, then again, I'm a notorious booty grabber too. Uh, With consent, ladies and gentlemen. Of course. Yeah, you're not just like some ape out there grabbing chicks. That's Oh, you gotta have some butt. Jesus. Sweet candy. Sweet candy. (laughs) So you touched her can. So he's probably a pimp. He's probably a pimp. Let me tell you something. He's got a really shitty attitude. <laughs> I don't know. Him and Rosemary and What's-Her-Face seem to get along just fine. Well, maybe. They're all on the same level. He sort of has a shitty attitude, but he's a man of the planet. He's a man of action. He is definitely a man of action. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, one employee in this entire theater. One employee. There's one person that works. Yeah, the most beautiful elf in the world. I love her, and I love her face, and I love her hair, and I like that she's dressed like a lady link, and I just want to give her a little wooden sword and let her go in the forest and cut grass. Mm-hmm. I love her. Like, I've seriously, I like spent 20 minutes of this film absolutely gay. Just completely in love with this one. Oh she's very God, yeah. beautiful. She's very, very beautiful. Let me ask you this. Do you get a feeling that she's in on it? At first, yes. Right? You can't not. She's way too reserved and far too stoic and looking at everyone like yes yes you're walking into my web mm-hmm. but especially when she's when everyone has taken their seats and she's sort of looking around with the flashlight there's an eerie quality to her body language the she's staring very intently at people but almost alien-like almost like she's not really processing what she's looking or that they're curiosities to her. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and because of the fact that she's so meticulous, because of the fact that she moves so slowly, but with purpose, even when she's adjusting her stockings, there's an eerie quality to that. And I don't know if 
those were intentional directions to the actress. Or if she's on Quaaludes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure either, but it could you could infer that she was part of this master plan to lure these people there, but then things went horribly wrong and it wasn't what she signed up for. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like the vibe I'm getting because at first you definitely would think that she's involved. But later on, not at all. By the halfway point of the movie, you're pretty sure she has nothing to do with this. Yeah, or at the very least, she has no more control of the situation than anybody else in that theater. But nothing is given up. She doesn't say, she doesn't have like this admission where it was like, yeah, I was like conscripted to lure everybody here or make sure, I was just told to make sure everyone stayed in. Like, I, nothing like that. Do you think if the movie was made nowadays, they would throw that line in? Well, I think have to. I, I feel like they would have to. People need things explained to them. Yeah. Unfortunately. Takes all the fun out of conversations like this. <laughs> now, what they're sitting down to watch is not just any old movie, Lydia. It's one of those horror movies. Oh, no. Not a horror movie. I know. I'm not going to sleep for a week. It seems like a lot of people don't realize that it's a horror movie because everyone kind of has the same reaction. Now, Cheryl and Kathy are going to meet some boys while they're at the theater. They're going to meet some strapping young lads, some preps. George and uh, Ken. I am so in love with Ken. Ken is a very beautiful man. He looks like Jack Ketchum. He looks like a young Jack Ketchum. Mm -hmm. Like, we were talking through this film about other films that take place in theaters. Yeah, because that's what I wanted to get. Uh, I, I thought this was really unique about the fact that you're basically locked into a movie theater for an entire horror film. And I wanted to, I couldn't think of one. These two guys have found themselves uh, some comely lasses. And now they're going to work their magic, you understand, by helping the ladies get a cola out of the vending machine. Oh, wow. That's almost as cool as the sweater magic they got going on. (laughs) Ken has a sweater over his shoulders. And um, I'd ask Lydia. Do you think that he actually uses that sweater? Like, he's like, I'm a cold man now. I'm going to wear that sweater. Or is the sweater to lure in the ladies? Which makes a lot of sense, and I never thought about that. I don't think about, then this is, is this why hipsters wear scarves? That's maybe, because that's how my brain would work. If I had a sweater, if I had like an extra sweater that I was not wearing on my body, I'm essentially telling you that this sweater could be yours. God damn, that's gross. I could never wear a sweater that somebody just handed to me. I've been freezing cold before and have people offer hoodies and I'm like, no, I will shiver. Thank you very much. I do not want your epithelials or sweat anywhere near me. Thank you very much. Yeah, but that's you. But basically it's it's a, hey, do you want to wear my sweater? And if the lady says yes or the fella, whichever, that means you're in. They like you or they're cold and they want to be comfortable. And why not? Um, and then sometimes they try to take it from you. You never see that sweater again. Anyways, I don't really think that he really needs a sweater, but... He's got himself kind of a quasi, it's not really a date, but when the two girls sit down in the movie theater, they're kind of hoping that the boys come and sit next to them. And they do. And then they do what would drive anyone. Everybody in this fucking movie theater has the worst theater habits I've ever seen. It's like all of them. Because typically speaking nowadays, when you go to the movies, everyone complains about the same five fucking things when they go to a movie. People talking whispering, kicking the seats, loud chewing, I don't know, children. There's yeah. all there's yeah. all kinds of things that people complain about. In fact, 
one of the reasons why they think that people don't like to go to the theaters anymore is the fact that people are just getting so fed up with it. But this is the crazy thing, Lydia, that I've always wondered about theater etiquette. What? Everybody universally agrees that they don't like when people are checking their phones, kicking their seat, or talking in the movie theater. Everyone agrees. I've never heard, I've never in my life heard anyone say, oh yeah, I love, I don't mind when people are talking during the movie theater. It's great. I love it. I've never heard anybody say that. Everyone always gets red-faced and furrows their brow and just gets so fucking mad about the idea that people talk in the movie theater. Yet, people still talk in the movie theater. It's crazy to me. Like It is kind of crazy to me. I don't know. I went to see Blackula at uh-huh. the Mayfair and people were acting up way more, but it was not, no one could complain. Because you're watching Blackula? Yeah. You're watching Blackula and it's like mob rule, right? Everybody is yeah. talking, checking their phones, being silly, like and it's not just like call outs to the film either. Like people were having full on fucking conversations mm-hmm. during the film and no one complained and it sort of like had a, a carnival atmosphere. Yeah. Like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but yeah. more tempered. But yeah, like um chaotic, a little more chaotic than yeah. that. Um if you can imagine that. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Like, there, there's rules. There's but it was fun. It was a fun night. But kind of you kind of go into that, like, not expecting it. It wasn't necessarily expected, but it didn't feel wrong. Any other fucking film would have been, even one of those people being in any other theater for any other film, it would have been dead wrong. You know what's a fun thing to do is read the Bytown Theater newsletter because they have, like, a Q&A complaints, like, uh, not complaints necessarily, but complaints end up in there and suggestions column and it's hilarious to read that because they answer these questions over and over and over well people probably write the theater every week asking why people talk during films they're no further ahead than us nobody knows there are dicks in this planet fucking dicks it's just crazy to me how people will behave as though they're in their living room yeah you're not in your living room um it's because we brought the theater experience to our living rooms and it's so much more convenient a to sit in your fucking living room and have your theater experience where no one's gonna fucking talk no one's mowing down popcorn in your goddamn ear no one's fucking checking their phone and like distracting you with lights when you're trying to focus in your fucking dark cavernous fucking loud thx around sound theater but then there's people that take that theater experience from home to the theater mm-hmm. where there's like kids running around and noise and lights and distracting and like there's music playing and you're checking your phone while you're watching television. I went to a movie a, a few years, a lot of years ago. As a matter of fact, I bet you any money it was the House on Haunted Hill remake. So it was, we're talking a long time ago. And I remember me and my brother went, very rarely did me and my brother ever go see flicks together, but in this case we did. And we bring it, and this this woman brings in a, a, like a very young kid, very young kid. And I said under my breath, but loud enough so she could hear, "You've got to be fucking kidding me." She turned around in her seat and told me, "No, no, don't worry, he's he's good." I was like, "We went." She mentioned that they saw another R-rated movie earlier, and he fell asleep through it. So don't worry, it'll be fine. Five minutes into the movie. The kid is crying like you read about, and she's got to carry him out of the theater. I'm like, what's the fucking point of that? What's the fucking point? Can't afford a babysitter? Don't go to the movies. Sorry. Yeah. I'm there with you, but we're totally on. <laughs> you could fucking bitch about people. <laughs> Anyways. All fucking day. Yeah. These people, between uh, sloppy makeout sessions, smoking in the theater, laughing, talking, carrying on, hitting on women... 
one like at least we have our characters embodied within the cranky husband because the cranky husband is pissed that everyone's being oh, fucking idiots. Yeah. I've never seen a dude more intensely take off a blazer in my entire life. Just like, <laughs> hmm. yeah, <laughs> so it's crazy to me that the movie theater, and even though it seems to be like a fairly big premiere and it's a big reno of the theater, um, or an event because they have like props in the lobby. So I'm assuming it's an event. And posters. And posters, all kinds of posters. But posters that aren't all for films. No, well, there was one for ACDC, there was one for, uh, there was a Nosferatu poster, there was a Metropolis poster. Yeah. Um, and the name of the theater is Metropolis, isn't it? Yeah, Metropolis. I, like, But it was like a weird spelling. The of Metropole. It. Metropole, that's yeah. it. And then the movie that I'm going to watch is, well, you've seen movies like this a lot. kind of reminds me a little bit of the movie that um, Michael Jackson's watching in the Thriller video. Just, like, the idea of, of just, like, people explaining a lot of... Di- like, there's a lot of expository dialogue. Kind of, like, even though it's, like, a vampire movie, but, like, the beginning of the movie, Body Double, when they're making a film. That's kind of what it reminded <laughs> me of, too. Films and films. Yeah. I want to see this movie, though. Like, literally. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I can't read this book. Wait. Yes, I can. Maybe this is what As Above, So Below is. I've never watched that, but that's what it seems like they're watching. Maybe. Yeah. It's it, You've seen it before, and, and, and it's very... European horror in that it's a bunch of people backpacking through old like old gothic ruins and they're like Tower of Terror but like yeah 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 yeah, it's got sort of like this Lovecraftian Poe feel of going into the underground Mm -hmm. they mention uh, Nostradamus (laughs) you know it's serious where they believe that Nostradamus is probably buried here instead of finding Nostradamus they find a mask and a book pertaining to the mask that one of the characters can't read, but then instantly says that he can. and But it is mirroring real life already. It's true. Because of the, what we know is that one of uh, Tony's ladies had put the mask on her face and had cut her face in just a, a certain area. The exact same thing happens in the movie. Now, it's not unusual that a movie that's getting premiered at a theater might have props in it and props from the film and to get people all super jazzed about it, making it a bit of more of an experience. Uh, certainly Hollywood does that these days. What is unusual about this, though, is, of course, the fact that this woman got a cut in precisely the same way and in the same method as the person on the screen. They're definitely on edge and creeped out. People are pretty intensely into the movie. Um, Kathy, who's not a horror fan whatsoever, is really freaked out. Don't worry, old Ken is there to come to her rescue. By standing up, walking across two people, plopping down next to her, and saying, hey, great movie, huh? Like, what? This isn't talking time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could have They could have had these conversations after. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that's... Save it, man. Well, okay. people think of the theater as just a reason to fucking make out and hook up and shit like that. People think of just watching movies in general. Like, I'm sure people find it weird and they can't wrap their head around that you and I can watch movies together you know like you're gonna go to Lydia's and watch a movie eh you know like you've probably dealt with that sort of fucking I've 150 percent dealt with people saying that to me exactly and you know I just basically don't watch movies with people because they're like hey you want to watch a movie I'm like absolutely fucking not yeah I do not want anything to do with your tricksy fucking movie I know <laughs> I know what you're doing I know what you're fucking doing so like it's nice that these girls wanted to go and see the film but then these guys have kind of like turned it into 
what this is. But like 90% of the people in this theater aren't there to watch the fucking movie. They're there to sit in a dark room, I guess. I don't know. I don't get it. I've got to stop ranting about theaters. <laughs> yep. Well, this woman who cut her face is going to go into the bathroom and check out her wound. Let me tell you, beforehand I was saying, come on, lady. Like, it's a small cut on your face. Far from your heart, as my mom used to say. But you're the guy that's afraid of flesh eating disease. She I can am. tell there's something up with this. Rosemary's like freaked out. Mm-hmm. She does. It doesn't feel good, and she keeps touching it because it doesn't feel good. It probably feels hot and festering. And it probably at this point she would think, well, why isn't it clotted? Like, it, if it is just a small scratch, why is it bleeding again? Well, man, it starts to pulsate and burst. Like a half liter bag of milk just goes spewing out her face. I love this milky pus. It's very pussy. It's very milky. And I would think, so what, does it hurt more now? Or does it think it feel good now? You're like, oh, that's a that's Oh a my God, that's disgusting. No. I don't know, man. It doesn't look like it feels good. No, it doesn't at all. Well, Tony's pissed. <laughs> yeah. One of his bitches? Is that what he would refer to these friends of his as? I don't know. I really don't. But he doesn't know where the fuck she is. Like, what, man, what's taking her? The, the voice the, so this is an Italian film we watched it dubbed um some of the the ADR in this movie is pretty funny just because of like the character cho- like the voice choices that some of them have done for Tony it's just like eh hey, I'm a tough guy man now is it really 100% in Italian or is it ADR for people that had heavy accents I have no idea. I'm wondering if, uh, you know what, you might absolutely Because I think, be right. like, like they're all speaking English. It's all synced. Mm-hmm. But I think they've just ADR'd the, the very accents heavy up. accents. Yeah. It's possible. That's it's definitely I'm possible. They've de- that is... Same with, like, pieces. Same, like... Yeah. Jalo films, that is um, really common. I mean, fuck, some of them, it's really common that... Like Nightmare City. Have that. Yeah. yeah. Or you would have car- you'd have actors that were speaking whatever they're natives. This one speaks German. This one speaks Italian. This one is speaking French. Whatever. Say your lines in your language. We'll dub it all over later. Yeah. So there's that too. I like the antithesis to that would be Farinelli where they just have five different languages just use five languages and people respond and speak to one another in whatever language. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful film that way and beautiful film throughout. But anyway... He his voice is like super animated. He is like a cartoon <laughs> character pimp. So it's impossible to think of him as anything else. He's just got to be a pimp. Yeah. <laughs> well, he gets uh, his other lady to go get Rosemary and go into the bathroom, turn her around, and she is no longer human. Puking green slime and everything, and yeah. like slashes her face. Looks like fucking Lionel Richie is a demon to me. Or really Vanilli. Yeah. <laughs> Millie or Vanilli, one of them? The alive one, I guess. They, <laughs> they, now, she immediately, like, this, the transformation sequence in this movie for Rosemary, we don't really see. We see the finished product. The special effects look pretty good. The bursting effect from the wound on her uh, face, that is giving you an indication of what, what you're in for. Because when this movie ramps up with the, just the blood and effluence. We don't get to see Milky Puss again until my favorite elf girl on the entire planet um, just vomits fucking pus all over the place. I, I like the pus, but it's more green, very foamy pus. Yeah. 
very neon green. It's very bright. Uh, I was I was wondering. We were trying to debate whether what the purpose of making this green crap coming out of their mouth was. I foolishly, because once Lydia pointed out to me how obviously wrong that it was, I was like, oh yeah, you're totally right. I was I was like, well, maybe they were trying to avoid an R, an X rating on this film for violence. And so if you make some of the blood green, then that helps, actually. And that's true. It's like the video game thing. Like like a video game thing or in comic books. You make the blood black, you make the blood green. You Then you will avoid the rating because, oh, that doesn't count because it's not real. No one cares if the blood is green. But you were, you pointed out, rightfully so, there's tons of blood in this movie and there's nudity in the movie and there's swearing in the movie and so who are they protecting with yeah. green foamy yeah like would that have really pus. done would that have really changed anything like, i'd no. fucking love this to be recolored with like real organic human colors to all liquids coming out of demon and human alike and mm-hmm. none of this green foam shit i would love that it would be just way more visceral mm-hmm. not that it isn't yeah, for sure. I just want it to be more visceral. So while everyone is watching the movie, some people are getting an indication that there's some screams coming that aren't actually from the movie. Now, we know that behind the screen... There's <laughs> a cavernous maze. There's a cavernous maze of curtains that this young lady who's had her throat slashed... It's not so... I'm not going to say it's superficial because it definitely looks like it probably needs stitches, but... I would say that it's not lethal at this point. She's definitely been scratched, but she is able to have control of her faculties and she's not just going to bleed out in eight seconds and yeah, she's die. She's bleeding quite a bit, but yeah, it hasn't hit any major arteries or yeah, anything. Yeah. So she's not gushing blood, but she's mm-hmm. bleeding in a lot of fucking pain and scared. Yeah, and scared. And trapped in this maze Trapped of in this maze of curtains. And she eventually gets to the end of... She gets to behind the screen. Why? I guess when you're so scared and so panicked, you're definitely going to lose your way and not be able to stay focused about where the fuck you are the theater didn't really seem that big to me initially and now she can't seem to find it but she finds herself behind the screen and then in a very cinematic way rips through the screen falls forward and everyone in the theater gets up now the theater is a big theater it's not packed it's not every seat's not occupied and there's a balcony as well it's an older theater it's yeah. like one of these so, uh, grand old ladies type theater yeah right? so there seems to be i would what do you say like 30 people 40 people in the theater tops yeah there's a couple like extras as you'd point out but there's like yeah. our our cast of like the people we meet there's it, like it's a fairly chunky cast probably like 12 people that we've been intimately introduced to yeah if not by name then oh there's this person there's that person and whatever yeah now Everyone rushes to this woman's aid and Tony's like, it's one of my friends. Get out of my way. And they come to her aid, but... Ken notices with his super awesome eyesight from like 30 feet away that her nails are growing. Her nails are growing. Look, you know what? I don't want to brag, but I can see that your nails are growing from here. Technically, it's true. I can see your hair growing Technically, true. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't count. It doesn't count. This is a demon transformation scene. Not just mm, some girl sitting here being alive. Now, let, <laughs> now, let's talk about this demon transformation scene. This is fucking super cool. And it also looks kind of painful. Yeah. The teeth look super fucking painful to me. Yeah. I was wondering about that. So, basically, when this woman's transforming, two things are two major things are happening. One, her fingernails are growing through her other fingernails. And it's a really cool sequence where we're seeing her human fingernails split apart and away from each other while long 
nasty, gnarled like claws. Nice, almost like the howling. howling yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the howling. Yeah, 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 for sure. And then she scrapes it across the wood and to let you know, wow, those are sharp. And then her fangs uh, push through her old teeth. So her old teeth are falling away. And then she's got this sexy little tongue maneuver. Uh, where It goes well with her like curled lip twitch thing that she has going on. Yeah, 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 Sexy yeah. tongue maneuver. Sexy tongue maneuver. Because you're just like, wow, that's a half foot of tongue. Yeah, what Freddy you Krueger eat your heart out. What you going to do with that there, sweet thing? I got distracted. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. It was a little creepy. Sorry. So everybody knows that something is not right. Oh, something is oh so wrong. <laughs> because this is not what's supposed to be happening whatsoever. And it'd be bad enough if somebody ripped through a a screen when everyone was watching a horror movie, like in fucking Scream 2 or something, that exact thing happens. Everyone's like, oh, murderer. But when... Especially when they're already like, you know, things are happening in real life that are happening in this movie and we're all a little creeped out and then someone bursts through the screen, Mm -hmm. you know. I would wonder if if my initial reaction would be that this was some sort of fourth wall gimmick thing. Considering that they had, they were all given tickets by this, guy Mm -hmm. that was dressed up when you would assume something to do with the foam Mm -hmm. and there's all this like prop outside and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and even your usher is a little creepy and appears to be in on it quote unquote whatever it is (laughs) so yeah i'm sure that there were people caught unawares by all the fucking insanity that unfolds from this point by thinking no no we'll just sit in our seats and just wait you know see you know so like she tore through the screen and it's all part of the film it's all part of the experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Once you turn into a demon, my 21st century brain would say, "Okay, this is definitely part of the show, right?" Yeah. People don't totally turn. Right. People don't turn into demons. <laughs> but no, she actually turns into a demon, and grumpy old guy. Oh, well, he's the first dude to get it, right? Thank God. Gets his throat just split open. Now his wife is free. Free from his bullshit. Yeah. And his grouchy attitude. Now, this starts a sequence where everybody, rightfully so, is panicked to get the motherfucker out of this theater. And they all rush towards the door. And this... Except the people that are trying to fuck. Because oh, Liz, yeah. the blind guy's usher, friend, paramour, wife, daughter? I don't know what the fuck she is. Um, is making out with her gentleman friend mm-hmm. and gets strangled by Rosemary in the most, like, impossible way ever like wraps the rope around both of their heads while they're facing each other and then squeezes it but she's got demon strength lydia you yeah didn't i don't that. believe it but sure i guess that's the only reason to explain why they fucking start bleeding and start stuff. bleeding and get mauled <laughs> and like are in horrible pain from this because that just wouldn't work mm-hmm. that's a horror experiment we'll have to try Two people face to face they don't need to kiss you know this is an experiment this isn't real life this ain't no peep show yeah and then Whichever one of us has the closest to demon strength, probably me. Probably. Well, yeah. That's what I've always said about you. Yeah. Wrap a rope around the two people mm-hmm. and pull. Maybe we'll need one me on one end of it and you on the other end. Okay. That would like probably approximate demon strength. I have to do a couple of push-ups before we do it, though. Just I, to get I super... should probably tire myself out a little. Yeah, tire yourself out so you don't like pull too hard and then everyone knows how much stronger you are than me. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I can live with myself. See if we can't, like, have them lacerate their own faces with their teeth, I suppose, is what we're shooting for. Yeah, right? Yeah. We don't need to hang the guy, though. No, we don't. Because that happens. 
It does happen. And that would freak people out more. You know, like there's a girl turning into a demon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turns into almost like the the best haunted house ever where the body drops from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Like everything's sort of happening at once mm-hmm. and everyone panics and runs, which is the beginning of like where I would, like 10-year-old Lydia is scared. I'm not scared about like the demons and the past and the killing and the hanging and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's when everyone's panicked trying to get out. So you have this just absolutely relentless guitar going. You have people screaming. You have people clawing at the doors trying to rip them off their fucking hinges to realize that there's no doors underneath these. They're at the theater entrances. It's like they're just painted on. It's freaky. It's so freaky because it raises so many questions. How did you get in? Who put that up there? There's only one employee in this theater and she was in the theater with all of you. So how did this happen? How did any of this happen? What is happening? You have people pulling on this until their fingers are bloodied trying to get out of this place. Is there any way that we could... Look, Lydia... You want to ratchet up the tension here? Things are getting a little too scary around here. Is there any way that we could just pour a big old bucket of ice water on this whole situation. Is there anything we could do? I so badly want to just keep at this fucking crazy screaming metal soundtrack, people clawing to try and escape, freaked out, tension mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. I want to stay right like this. I want to stay like this tensed up. I'm tensed up like a little ball. I just pulled a muscle on my neck. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, what I think we need is to go outside into a car full of hoodlums, punks maybe, Punks, and yeah. shitty music that doesn't suit them at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we need to do. And just I think while they slowly drive around. Do a bunch of coke. A neighborhood. And yeah. not really, like, talk or do anything. Just driving around listening to Yeah, they're to sort tunes. of bopping around. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah. of them looks like a troll, I guess. Like that kind of, hey, <laughs> little levity. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you need. I don't. I want to be back in the theater immediately. As soon as it cuts away from the fucking theater, I want to be back there. So, listeners, what we're making fun of is the fact that there is sequences in this movie that take away from the movie theater. Once the theater gets locked down, we do spend a little bit of time with a group of punks in a car. There's four of them. They have cool names, too. I don't know all of them. One girl looks like a troll. One of them is named Hot Dog or something. And the other one is named Ripper. This is the weirdest choice ever. And Lydia and I were sitting here wondering about the purpose of why you would want to interrupt all the tension for this, to introduce four characters that you would think have a larger role in the movie. But in a way, because of these extra sequences in them, before they get to the movie theater, they almost seem like they might be more main characters because of the screen time that they're given, because of all the dialogue that they're given. And they're not just... There to increase the body count, like in Macabre, when just more yeah, dudes more, show more, up. more dudes show up, and you're, and you're okay. This is this is what this is for. These guys are just gonna get murked. Yeah, and, and they literally get killed right away. Yeah, they spend lots of time in the storyline, but <clears throat> like really, they could have been introduced way earlier and tied mm-hmm. into the plot, even if they were gonna drive around or if they were trying to sneak into the theater or something, anything really, or introduced. Like five seconds before they actually get into the theater. Because Mm -hmm. these plot lines do converge. They do, for sure. It's just so stark. And we're at like such a a cool place in the movie and in our psychology as a viewer when they're introduced that it's just like a fucking needle in a balloon. Like totally Mm -hmm. ruins it. So 
The punks do serve one purpose, and we'll get to that when it comes up. But for now, we're... Nipples? Oh, well, there's, ooh, there's that. Okay. I can't think of another purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but when we're back in the theater, so they're trying to figure out somehow what the fuck to do. Meanwhile, people are discovering bodies of their loved ones. The blind guy finds his lady. He gets palmed by one of the demons and gets his... Uh, non-functioning eyes just completely gouged out of his head. So is that demon humor? Is uh, Maybe it is. Yeah, I think it um, is. He doesn't know what the fuck is going on. You know what? At least he, he didn't know that his lady was cheating on him. I'm assuming it's his lady. Uh, and he'll never know. And Which, he should be able to hear it. He should be able to smell it. He should be able everything about her fucking this guy under his nose. Literally, he should just know. So he's not the most intuitive guy. He's not very perceptive. No. At all. Meanwhile, the the rest of the guys think that it has something to do with the movie. So if they turn off the movie in the theater, this should break the spell or whatever the fuck is going on. They don't really know. The super perceptive blind guy. (laughs) (laughs) The super perceptive blind guy. We'll fill you all in. About what actually is going on. Because he can't detect his fucking nose in front of his face. But he does know that it's the theater. It's the theater itself. By the way, just because this guy's had his face mauled and his eyes gouged out, he's fine and he's going to talk normally. Um, when they go up into the projection room and uh, Tony and them break in uh, and uh, Ken and George and Cheryl and Kathy, who are, who are definitely being like the proactive ones here, it's all automatic. That means it plays by itself. That means there's no one in this projection room ever, Lydia. <laughs> No one's ever been in there. No one's ever been in there. They destroy it all. The movie shuts off. They're in the main room. The blind guy explains to them that it's the movie theater itself. The movie theater itself is cursed. And that is why it's doing this. How he figured this out, why he figured this out, at what point did a guy who went to a movie theater, having someone describe him the movie theater, what movie he's watching, why, from the point where... People started dying. He got his face mauled. He figured out that the theater itself was cursed. And when you want to say like, oh, when you lose your eyesight, all your other senses are enhanced. But he already didn't have eyesight. So it doesn't <laughs> work. And he had like, he was the most unperceptive person ever. Is this like some funny Bava joke that we don't get? Like, it might be. I don't know. But I can tell you what's not a funny joke. The fact that they're going to now think that they're going to barricade themselves into the main theater portion. From the rest of the demons that are out. Because here's the thing. These demons, this demon possession seems to occupy itself much in the same way as a zombie infection might. These don't act like zombies. They're not trying to eat your flesh. They're not mindless. They certainly have intelligence. And they can certainly speak to you. It's just like kind of rabid, green, gooing, clawed, fanged people. Um... But it does operate very much like a zombie infection. Someone gets scratched or bit, they're pretty much going to turn into yeah, one of these Yeah, these demons don't just soul hop like in Fallen or Evil Dead and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They do need to like get into your body mm-hmm. through some sort of open wound. Mm-hmm. Although there comes, a, there comes a point in the film where I'm not entirely sure, but we'll get into that. So when this is all happening, when people are... They've decided to use the seats in the theater as a barricade, so they're gonna break everything smash it's a lot of work everyone Which is, very- they tire themselves out and i just don't really get it and it's like sure moves a plot along i guess it gives them something to do and it gets them keeps them fired up keeps that tension high again 
mm-hmm. because we needed to bring the tension back up because we'd already ruined it by going outside and meeting up with the coke snorting punks. But it does it just doesn't like who what 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 brainiac came with the idea of like let's all tear all the seats out and the seats come out really easy. I'd like to go another horror experiment and go to a theater and just try and fucking reef on a whole row of seats and see if they just tear out of the floor like that. <laughs> I have no idea. But we have a couple old theaters that we can just go do that in. I want to do that to the Mayfair. I like the Mayfair. Okay, the Bytown it is. Yeah. Sorry, Bytown. We're going to break your chairs. Or try to, because I don't think we'll accomplish it. I don't think we ought, We would either. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a frail theater. It's true. Tony himself has gotten pretty aggressive, like kicking down doors shouting people like shouting at people to work faster he's grabbed uh, the blind guy's uh lady and uh tossed her body over the side he's like help me help me it's like and everyone's like she's dead she's dead leave her body alone and like this guy is pulling a dead woman away from a blind guy while he's begging him to stop and he's just like crawling on the floor like no no don't touch her leave her alone i was like wow ice cold this motherfucker right here and it makes me happy. <laughs> and so in the process of doing this, well, Tony gets fucked up. That guy gets his leg bit by some of the bodies that he was trying to get rid of. Now, while they're doing this from the balcony, Tony gets pulled back down over to the main level. <laughs> He's hanging there with uh, the, the, the blind guy's lady and um, also her lover who's come back. And they're like hanging and biting at him and shit like that. One of his, uh, one of the extras <laughs> just cuts him loose. Or was it uh, George? No, I don't think it was. I think it was one of the extras literally just cuts him loose and then he drops and that's the last we see of him. Now, there's so many characters and so much death and mayhem kind of happening. There are moments where this movie does slow down and not with the punks. It slows down when they've barricaded themselves in and sufficiently seem to have blocked themselves off. And they're all tired out. So they're they're fucking exhausted. It, like, it looks so sweaty and hot in there. Yeah. Really sweaty and hot. Which is sort of what you'd expect. Punks oh. are not. And that whole like tonal shift from inside to outside mm-hmm. and stuff that they're doing. And it just does. It seems amateurish. Which It's so weird because we go back to the punks, right? And And they're just... Fighting over Coke while uh, Billy Idol plays. Yeah, we don't get really any character development between them. No, they really like Coke. And there's definitely a hierarchy. Oh, for sure. Like the dude that's driving is in charge. You could tell that at a glance. Yeah, it's true. They have quite a few lines of dialogue that really don't do anything to enhance that either. It's nothing that we didn't know without one fucking look at them. It's so crazy to me that, that so much of this fucking movie is dedicated to I it. wanted to know way more about the girl that looks exactly like a fucking luck troll. But all we know is that she was at one time a year old. That's really all we learned, that she was in fact certainly a little girl at one point. She has a, she has a photograph of her. For dumb reasons. For, that she's using to collect cocaine on. Because when they were fighting with the can of... They have a can of Coca-Cola. And they've put Coke in it. Pretty funny, right? But they were fighting over the can of Coke with all the Coke in it. So it goes all over the place. And then they have to meticulously pick up every gram of that cocaine. Which this does absolutely sweet fuck all for this story. For the plot. The whole film. There's an entire sequence where they're sitting there with razor blades and just meticulously scraping at the fabric of the interior in the car... 
and collecting cocaine in an envelope. I guess nothing says 80s more than this scene. I would like to see a version of this film without the scenes of the punks. Just have them show up being chased by the cops. Poof, they're being chased by the cops, go down an alley. That's it. That's our first introduction to these people. That's all we need. I don't mean to be such an asshole about it. I really don't. Mm. But when we go back to the movie theater, they have to try to break out. They got to do something. So they're very weakly <laughs> just smashing the walls. And for a while, though, you're like, what are they doing? Well, what they're trying to do is that they can't have an exit out of this place. They'll make an exit. So they're using anything they can. Furniture, fire hydrants. Fire extinguishers. Fire, fire extinguishers, thank you. Uh, to bang against the wall. And eventually they do find that there's another room in there. But to no avail. They get there and there's absolutely no place for them to go. And they all just sort of scream and holler. Like no. you were saying, this is the room that makes women go hysterical. Yeah, they do go all hysterical. Well, I think the ladies really want to get out. The boys are trying to like keep them calm because I guess that's what they feel like they need to do. Well, it's uh, the 80s. you got to stay within your gender roles. Oh, that's life. true. It is the 80s, yeah. Yeah, as firmly as possible. Women need to be hysterical and men need to either slap them or calm them down. Yeah, sometimes calm them down by slapping them. Oh, sometimes, yes. Then sla- Or sometimes slap them and then blame them for the girl making them slap them and that will calm her down because now she has to feel bad and that will displace whatever it was that upset her there's a lot of things about the 80s that i don't miss yeah fucking right (laughs) one thing i like about who's getting infected so far even though most people have gotten infected really really fast the blind Mm. guy doesn't seem to be have gotten infected very fast because he can still like interact with everybody um for the most part, whenever somebody gets bit, scratched, whatever, it's like, good, I want to see them turn into a demon. So we've got a pretty good pick of people mm-hmm. who would make really good demons turning into demons and people who are, are the people that we know a little better, maybe, that aren't yet. Like the couple that we haven't really talked about that were sitting way in the back and quite mm-hmm. proper mm-hmm. make-out couple. Yeah. And then our our new couples. I guess. Yeah, our new couples. Yeah. But the but the couple in the back um, that were actually legit couple that were in the heavy makeup sessions, they um, they try to escape via the air ducts. Mm-hmm. So that was their big plan because they got separated after a while. And during one of the larger attack sequences, boy, oh boy, does that girl get a lot of goo just drilled all over her. Yeah. Just pouring, pouring pus and blood and whatever else bloody pus vomit i love this bloody pus vomit. they got all my favorite fluids in one nice neat little package all over her face (laughs) and it goes on like awfully long because like someone's like over a theater seat and she's on the floor Mm -hmm. yeah she gets really ruined it's sad but hilarious yeah when people are transforming into these demons it does seem to be at completely random intervals to me but because sometimes people will get cut, damage, and like, oh, man, I'm instantly going to turn into a demon. Like, I'm turning into a demon right now. Ah, oh, here I go. And then there's other times where people are, you think that they're safe or you think that everything's completely fine. And then all of a sudden, oh, shit, this person is a demon. That very uh, intensely in love with each other couple is one of those instances where they're crawling through the ducks. And then the, the girl all of a sudden just completely turns into a demon and then eats the motherfucking guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, without any of the preamble either, because there's a few slower transformations that we get to see where people don't understand what's going on and they articulate that or uh, ask their friends to kill them and stuff like that, which is more in tune with like what we're used to nowadays with the zombie films. Um, 
where mm-hmm. there's like even films that time the fucking transformation because they know exactly how long it takes from when the body dies to when the body rises again mm-hmm. or when it's a uh, zombie infection that doesn't require death they still know generally exactly how long it takes for them to turn or there's signs and symptoms of their either very slow eventual turn into a zombie or they're fairly rapid like did you contract the virus or not kind of question oh your eyes are changing got to decapitate you sorry um this is all kind of random although i do like the black blood there's only about i think two or three of them that really show like the black blood coming up in their veins i really like that effect a lot Mm, yeah that is really cool when this sequence happens well first of all we should mention that when they finally get all their chairs and shit up along the doors they start seeing like some movement underneath the chairs and what it is is like this like they piled the chairs on top of the blind guy that's still alive (laughs) sorry (laughs) and he's just crawling through this sequence is haunting to me because of the fact that it's he's blind and he but like more than that this demon has grabbed him by the face like his face was a fucking bowling ball and use his eye sockets as the little finger holes that you might roll a bowling ball. So he's the, and the camera angle is so weird. And the fact that he's just crawling with his bloodied eyes, it's a freaky looking scene haunting. It sticks with you. I find, um, I remember being when I was a little bit younger, when I saw this flick, I was like, Ooh, yeah, that's kind of creepy. But, and that's almost going to be, not going to be the last we're going to see of this character, but this is the last we're going to see him in the movie theater. When the demons start attacking again, because their numbers are growing, this theater had a good chunk of people in it. And as people became separated, and then as people started becoming a turning, the demons get their numbers up. And um, by the way, that they're in the main theater area. There are some of these dead, infected demons, possessed people, more accurately. There are people within the barricade with them that are afflicted, we'll say. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, like you're right. Like the chair stacking didn't really make any sense, especially now that they are desperately trying to get the like to dismantle their own barricade because they they're like, oh shit, well we're trapped in here now. We don't want to be trapped in here, so now they have to like tear away all of this fucking shit to try to get out of this room. Meanwhile, the demons are attacking close to on mass, but we haven't quite gotten there just yet. Because there, you mean by there, you mean the cool scenes then coming up in the hallway. The cool the scenes that are coming up in the hallway. That's where we want to get. That's where we want to get, but not before we have to figure out how the fuck these punks are getting into the goddamn. Movie oh, I theater. forgot about them. You know what would have been really cool if we would have just fucking ignored the whole punks up to this point in our review. So it would be like we could, you know, do what we wanted to do with the film and just pretend they didn't exist until this exact moment. Mm-hmm. They're getting chased by the police because they're trying to hotwire another car yeah they get caught hotwiring a car yeah the police chase them down an alleyway they think they're trapped all of a sudden the door miraculously opens oh shit we're not trapped anymore while they go in a fucking stumbly dude comes out Mm -hmm. and the cops go back there they don't see the the punks that they were looking for they do see this guy who's a blind guy who is now transformed into a demon and he's going to, and like and then attacks the police. The police like yeah, it gives him a nice demony hiss too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we leave the cops there. You're like, oh shit, they got to fight a demon. The punks are now into the movie theater, looking around. They can see 
doors have been ripped out. They've seen barricades have been made. They know something is fucking wrong. And they think a door is being, or they know that a door is being blocked by one of the vending machines, which we find out later that was, uh, that we know is holding one of the earlier victims that had been attacked by one of the demons. Now, when that door opens, uh, the, the, the punk that you say looks like a wishing troll. I mean, she does look like a wishing troll. You want to have a big lineup, a whole bunch of her on some fat person's bingo table. Is going to be um, doing her makeup, and then all of a sudden she gets attacked by a demon from behind. And then the punks... This is... So, what the punks do is they enter the theater and allow one of the demons to escape. That becomes a plot point later. What they then do within the theater, are they going to team up with Kathy and Ken and are they going to cheat uh, and uh, and Cheryl and and all the uh, preps the preppy main characters are these punks going to join forces with them and then Cheryl might learn a little something about judging a book by its cover and the fact that in a, in these uh, extreme circumstances maybe maybe these are the types of people that you want on your side the criminal element that you were so afraid of is nothing compared to the powers of hell that are now bursting forth from these dead people or are they just gonna die in the theater having not met any of the other characters i go with b because you know the other one sounds like a morality tale and that's what we're doing here Wes. we're doing a fucking horror movie horror movies can be about things now i think that this is probably the most frustrating waste of characters that i've ever seen in my entire life not that i particularly liked these characters but since you decided to film these characters so much outside of the movie theater, their little tale about how they got to the movie theater, which in the one hand, I'll give you credit. A lot of times in, in movies like Friday the 13th or, or whatever, or Macabre, when they introduce these characters, there's very little reason for them to be there except for be additional bodies. Um, and you, but you know that going in. Yeah. You, you take one look at them and you're like, oh, cool, cannon fodder. Yeah, exactly. Can't it's wait like, to see this guy die. Yeah, it's like, oh, here's more characters, here's... You want to have this turn into, like, a fucking horror movie version of Grease, where, yeah. like, the guy named Hot Dog goes and hooks up with Cheryl, and yeah. they ride off in the sunset in the back of a Jeep or something. Completely yeah. not to do with this movie at all, you know? Tell me about it, Steve. Yeah. But no. No. You've been tricked, because you wanted, you tried to get invested with these people that had... Your, your attention drawn to them over and over again. You were fed absolutely no story. And you were at that point craving story. Mm -hmm. And now at this point, you're like, okay, I, I, I can forgive all of that. Mm -hmm. It's like a shitty relationship. That's what this is. Just like a shitty relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it is this bad Tinder date because you don't get any of that. It's true. You don't get them enmeshed with the plot moving forward, especially to this uh, very amazing finale. Because it is an amazingly written film. With the exception of these punks. If they had snuck into the movie theater just as the movie had started, if they had done the, the sequence that you had talked about, just leaving it out and they, they enter the movie theater later, if it had just been that, that's fine. But the fact that we dedicated uh, two or three scenes before that with these characters and then to them to have never met any of the other characters in any meaningful way. Now, our main characters uh, of, uh, of Ken, George, Kathy, and Cheryl uh, have escaped the main part of the theater and are back into the front lobby kathy has passed out she had fainted from fear and now she has regained consciousness 
as a possessed demon. Yeah, Her- she's confused, and we're not sure if she'd been wounded or not. I'm not sure. This is where I, I was really confused. I don't remember her actually getting wounded in any way shape or form i know that she had passed out maybe that lapse of consciousness allowed a demon to possess her because she has a transformation sequence that is way more in like way more different than anybody else's so her transformation sequence it's like once she becomes a possessed demon looks like everybody else except for the fact that she goes down on her hands and knees and then a fully formed pure demon comes out of her back. Like an adult demon. Yeah. So whereas everybody else looks like, oh, they're possessed by a demon, this looks like her body was a gateway for a demon to actually enter the world by itself. It just scuttles off. Just scuttles off. Um, But not before slashing poor Ken in the chest. <sighs> My heart. So as Ken is sitting there infected, he looks to the props, of, and one of them is holding the katana, right? And if Jack Ketchum ever is going to die because, you know, I think he's immortal. I'm pretty sure he's immortal. This is how Jack Ketchum should die. Hmm. Yeah. This exact sequence. Because this is like the coolest fucking death ever. And if I was in the same position and happened to be in a theater with a katana and was obviously going to turn into a demon and start tearing my friends apart, I would probably ask for the exact same thing. Hmm. You said it was pretty cool to have somebody want to help you. Commit suicide. suicide. To commit seppuku. To have someone be your second. To make sure you didn't waver. They're just supposed to decapitate you. Yeah. After you've disemboweled yourself. Now, he didn't disembowel himself. Well, he, he didn't have a smaller knife. He didn't. But um, uh, George is very, very reluctant to do it. This is his, well, I would assume is his best friend. Or at least the guy he went to the movie. Because like, <laughs> like, they weren't always, very close. Like, I always think about the fact that I've definitely gone to the movies with people who aren't really my closest friends in the world. Like, like where, where you're just, oh, I want to go see this movie. Hey, you want to go with me? Yeah, all right, I guess. I've definitely had people like that. But every time that these sequences happen in movies, I'm always just assuming, oh, this has got to be his best friend. Why? Why would I think that? I don't go to the movies with my best friends all the time. So like, I, I, I have gone to the movies with my best friends. And I've gone to the movies with people I don't know very well. I would have no problem decapitating any of them. <laughs> just saying. I just want to, I wanted to be... Like, Ken was uh, maybe a dude that George kind of knew from work. <laughs> and 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 they said... The guy hey, that worked in the copy room and he felt bad for him? Yeah, it's like, you know, um, this guy seems kind of cool. Maybe we'll try to see a movie together and uh, or whatever. And maybe it'll be a good time. I don't know. And so they just take an afternoon or an evening to go see a movie together. And then by the end of it, he's like, George, cut my head off. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway george finds the gumption after ken fully transforms which i think is kind of a dick move because i think that george or sorry ken would wanted to have died while he was still human and in control of his faculties but instead he waited until he was an actual demon cuts his head off we assume they don't really show up but they do show like the splatter trail so you you know that's what's happened yeah but all of the gore that they show and mm-hmm. people getting their heads cut in half off their bodies torn apart their bodies mm-hmm. ripped in half their throats torn out their fucking throats exploding a lot of like throat and head fucking injuries going on in this they don't show this one like as apparently like emotional thing which could have been so fucking cool i just want and in my mind i see ken's beautiful head tumbling slowly blood just whipping around and around as it does that through the air 
because George probably would have done it like a nice clean cut. Good job. Well, George has fucking had enough. Cue the music. Cue the motorbike. Cue the katana. What happens is a sequence in this movie that I could watch over and over and over again or continuously. Yeah, we're kind of talking and hoping and wishing. We might look on YouTube after. So if anyone in the time that we've actually thought of this and the time we've done recording, will this will have materialized. We want 10 hours. Like people put the 10 hours films of whatever on YouTube for stupid fucking reasons. I don't know who the fuck does these things. But the one that we will both agree needs to happen and mm -hmm. we would watch, we would actually watch, is this fucking sequence of mayhem and murder and slaughter mm -hmm. yeah on a 10-hour loop <laughs> it'd, be, <laughs> it'd be pretty good pretty fucking good but um so what happens is george and cheryl riding around on a motorcycle in the movie theater while george swipes at these this invading demon horde because now like the demons numbers have swelled it's everyone in the theater, with the exception of them. Their eyes are glowing. It's a really cool sequence. And he's just driving around the movie theater to this fucking metal song while he's just slicing up these guys, blood going everywhere, bodies going everywhere. Wow, who's that? What's going on? Oh, shit. We see, like, the punks. Here's, here's like, our punk demons. Like, oh, hey, guys. I remember you guys. Now you're dead. Um... It's cool. Like, it's the song uh, Fast as a Shark by Accept. And when yeah. I was, like, really little, well, really little, about the time this movie came out, um, I'd had a cousin that gave me both a Motorhead shirt and an Accept shirt. And no wonder everyone thought I was fucking cool. <laughs> sure tricked them, but, I mean, I wish I had that shirt now. Nothing like a cranky 10-year-old kid in a Motorhead shirt, I'll tell you that. <laughs> So this sequence doesn't go on nearly long enough, in my opinion, even though this is kind of chunky. But by the time uh, George falls off his bike, well, he, well, let's be real. He takes a pretty sharp turn. Cheryl goes fucking flying. He's then. already been super fucking lucky because he's driven this motorcycle over top of theater seats. Yeah, I know. I was like, when is this guy like doing like fucking dirt bike stunt racing? Like, how does he know how to fucking do that? Maybe he does dirt bike stunt racing, but they just didn't set it up to tell us these things. Like, they had set They're up Cheryl as a great piano player or something. I thought she was going to, like, lull the, the demons to sleep with a piano. That's where I thought this was going. Or, yeah, and this guy's, like, fucking sword-wielding badass. Again, imagine going to the movies, cut to three hours later, you're on a fucking bike with a katana... Killing demons. I was like, whoa. Is this like every dude in the 80s dream? Dude in the 80s? This is my dream right now. Okay. It fits. It it's fits. like any time that I leave a movie theater that has like a lot of martial arts in it. And I start like fucking doing stances and stuff in yeah, the lobby. Yeah, it's because you know stances. People that don't. I mean, do you, do you ride a motorcycle at all? No, are you kidding me? No. Then how is this your dream? Well, I mean, because I feel like it'd be the quintessential badass thing to do. You're inspired now. I'm inspired, yeah. Yeah, okay. What do you say about this next scene? So, what's, what is the th one thing that you wouldn't think you'd see happen in this movie in a million years? <laughs> I can't say a helicopter all of a sudden falling through the roof because A, that happens, and B, it's not that outlandish when you think about it. If you're not just sitting there with your dick in your hand going, yeah, motorcycles and swords, fuck yeah, blood everywhere, whatever, and forgot everything you fucking already saw, yeah, you would know that these demons infect super fast. Mm. You would know that this blind guy had gotten out and mm. the world is slowly 
slash quickly being infected. And it's a dense population in the city. And it's nighttime. It's a nighttime city full of punks, people with pink hair, stuff like that. So everyone's like, it's going to spread pretty quickly. I guess what? There's an hour of time? Like, we'd have to, like, pay attention to how much time actually passes during this motorcycle mayhem massacre. So it's like an hour to 20 minutes or something. And there's fucking helicopters falling from the sky. That's how quickly that this demon possession of the fucking planet is going. It's not that fucking outlandish. I love it. I think it's fucking fine. It's pretty funny. It's not funny. It's funny. What's funny about that? Just a helicopter. It's horrible. Why is it horrible? People died. <laughs> I'm sorry? That's from you? That coming from you? People died, Wes. <laughs> oh, fucking outrageous. Anyways, so the helicopter falls through the ceiling and... It's unexpected and it's not outlandish. I do. I really fucking like this scene. And it's not using the helicopter as a weapon either, which is fucking cool. I don't mind when somebody like angles a propeller of a fucking helicopter down in a field full of zombies. 28 weeks later style. Blows them down. Um, We have, uh, so (laughs) George is like, hop in. And the fucking uh, Cheryl gets into the helicopter with him and they start the propeller they do manage to swipe a couple of the remaining demons with the helicopter blades and then they basically like 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 a grappling hook type thing like there's like a winch on it because yeah, i'm yeah, sure yeah. like you need that it's probably like a safety device on most helicopters anyway just in case you get like stuck somewhere or whatever mm-hmm. and there's no like the wind is working against you or something or it's some sort of rescue helicopter and that's very well what it could have been especially if the city is fucking falling apart around them i'm sure that the authorities while they were still in place were trying to help people mm-hmm. so that it was probably some sort of rescue helicopter i didn't like really look too too close at what kind of helicopter it was supposed to be but yeah so they throw this like grappling hook mm-hmm. up into the hole in the roof from whence it came mm-hmm. and brilliantly use it to escape but when they get to the roof and they settle down they take a breath and they're like Whew, we're gonna be all right well they're not because fucking metal mask dude is up there random super random i don't think the helicopter is so random i think him being up there is random do you think that i mean obviously he's in on it obviously this is his design he's got no dialogue though so i I guess like there's a there's a sense where you don't need an explanation this guy is working for a demonic source or one of the demons out on earth he wants hell on earth that's what this guy wants why do we know this because he instigated the entire fucking process so you would imagine that he was the one that got the masks there he was the one that clearly was involved in the production of this movie um he's the same actor as one of the characters in the movie so i think this is kind of the genesis of what would have happened if the film company that made nosferatu would have been able to carry on making their very demonic and eventually far deeper into satanism and the occult films Mm -hmm. if this would have been like the end game of all of that if they would have been allowed to infect the masses as it were with their films and finally bring demons up here on earth by infecting the masses quite literally and supplanting their souls with demon seed via film so both cheryl and george fuck these this guy uh by like creating like um well they basically get like a metal rod across his head and use that as a lever 
to push his head slowly towards a broken piece of metal. Not after a little tense scene that is that scene I was talking about where it's like very European filmmaking. There's no crazy metal music. Mm -hmm. There's no music at all. Yeah, it's dry. It's a dry scene, which is a really interesting choice. Super quiet. And you're thinking, you're trying to almost listen for the sounds of the city run amok. Mm -hmm. They are fighting on the roof and he knocks George down into the hole from where the helicopter had fallen through. And he's hanging on to some rebar that's sticking out. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like bugging at his hands to try and make him fall down. We're secretly now wishing that the helicopter was still in use because yeah, the propeller that would be spinning. fucking insane. Yeah. But he would have fallen to his death regardless. Yeah. So it's up to Cheryl to stop all of this mm-hmm. and stab the guy through the back. Mm-hmm. So then the city sounds swell up right after they use this lever to finally kill the guy. Mm-hmm. They get back down to street level because they see... Oh, sorry, they don't get back... They, they look into the neighboring buildings and they see demons like possessed people another guy getting killed they head down to the street level it's chaos utter chaos and well you would you would think okay well it spread this fast it's only been that blind guy got out of the movie theater and and fought those cops let's say generously an hour ago that's what I'm thinking, you know, and it even could be a lot quicker than that. It could be quite lit, and it's quite literally 15 minutes in the movie. So Isn't maybe 20 minutes in this movie's time mm-hmm. to an hour at the most, like you say, like it spreads fucking fast mm-hmm. to have whipped up a frenzy of chaos, death, and destruction within the city within 20 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. The world's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It'll spread exponentially. Now, this is, this is where um, this sequence... They they're running. They got no place to go, and then this posse, like this family, in a truck, pulls up and get on in. And so they get in, and then they roll credits because it's like, well, I guess this is it. They're, they're just gonna drive through an apocalypse, fighting demons now. Pretty cool movie, guys. That's what people do in apocalypses, though. But then, oh shit, Cheryl turns. Bummer. And then when the kid <laughs> just fucking shoots her. Like instantly. That kid knows his guns. Yeah, he shoots her, and then she's just off on the road, and George sort of looks back, horrified. The girl I just met. And then that's the end. If that is the end game, I think I'd rather just turn into a demon. Whether someone kills me or not, you know, it's a lot easier than trying to get away from them. Think of a zombie apocalypse. There's a lot of times you'd rather, like, you know, depending on how it spreads, you could just, like, go to an island or just, like, Stay quiet and shut everything down and stay mm-hmm. pretty safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I know quite a few places in the city and in my hometown that are like, have like bunkers or old bank vaults. There's a bar with an old bank vault in the basement that they use as a cold storage. Cause it's not like a freezer or a fridge by any means, but it's cold in there and it's, they can lock it up and it's super secure. Um, it's like that sort of place would be a great place to wait out a zombie apocalypse or like, it just get away from all the noise, you know? But this seems to be moving quite rapidly. I think you'd have really no choice. And I don't know what their chances would be. We're not even going to posit Demons 2, mm-hmm. right? Because that happens. Um, but, like, at this... If, like, imagining that the end of Demons is the end of this story. Yes. I don't think they have much chance. 
I don't think so either. I think this is one of those scenarios where you're pretty much fucked. I think the 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 way that the demons infect you, the aggression of the demons, the fact that they seem to have more powers. A demon could just burst out of George's back any second. Yeah. yeah. We don't know. Um, now, this movie did become a franchise and has quite a few, well, not quite a few sequels. It has sequels. It has three movies at least. And then there have other movies that have, have attempted to... Did you say there's five? There's other ones that don't even have the same well, yeah. name. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically speaking, like they've they they uh, one an alternate title for Cemetery Man was one of the demon sequels. So to show you how just off, unrelated, yeah, yeah, unrelated a movie could possibly be. If you want to hear more about demons, you can go to old episodes of Bind Torture Cast. Whether they like it or not, they talk about demons, demons two, Night of the Demons, and Night of the Demons. All in one episode. Cool. It's a fucking awesome episode, I think. I don't know how I could like keep my brain around talking about more than one movie in a episode. But well, we're gonna do with like Tombs of the Blind Dead. Tombs of the Blind Dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. I that's a little easier though than all that metal mayhem and motorcycle massacre. That's some good alliteration. Lipstick there. everywhere that you need to pack into the episode that they had done. Yeah. Even Demon Demons 1 and Demons 2, which I sort of toyed with the idea of smushing them together. Mm-hmm. For us, I think that would be a lot. It's just so much more fun to go slow with with this, with this Demons in particular. Because mm-hmm. it's a fucking highly enjoyable film. Oh, yeah. This is... this is um, Demons is like a party movie. You could definitely throw this on with more than one people. And everyone will get a kick out of it. People will squirm at the gore. People will laugh at some of the cheesier elements of it. People will get into the fucking soundtrack. Oh, my God. But see, with a group of people, I think so much would be lost. You wouldn't have any fucking idea why a fucking helicopter falls through. And sure, everyone would be, like, half drunk and think that's great and whatever. But you would lose the entire storyline. But you would know it. That doesn't matter. I would just be annoyed by other people in the room. A party movie. I don't know, man. I have really fond memories of watching horror movies with more than one person. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know other people do too. I think this is a perfectly relaxing, nice Saturday afternoon. Or a Saturday morning with friends, <laughs> as we are. Or a Sunday afternoon, or even like a random Tuesday at like 5. Tuesday at 5. They should put that on the poster. Demons. <laughs> The perfect movie for Tuesday at 5. Speaking of just podcasts in general, our last episode had technical difficulties. To say the least. Oh my gosh, yeah. We've had really good luck, for the most part, with our learning as we go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. From our beginning episodes, we both come from a background of like journalism and broadcast. That's true. Broadcast West very heavily. uh, Me a little tiny bit. Uh, We know our way around recording stuff like that you know like microphones and talking and stuff but new gear new laptop shit went wrong so we're not exactly sure what went wrong we've posited a couple scenarios of what went wrong but i haven't been able to recreate what went wrong yeah so we haven't been able to answer the question of what went wrong so i do apologize and i take all the blame just because i love taking blame (laughs) punish me punish me yeah punish me if you don't count some of our earlier episodes which I don't think are unlistenable. Like there's some, there's some audio, there's audio quality that are not up to our current standards in, yeah. the, in some of the earlier episodes. But I would say that we've done 60 of these, 61 now. If one of them 
wasn't where it was and there was good stuff on that episode and and that's the shame of it all because i really enjoyed the cabin fever episode and i'm almost tempted to like transcribe it all for you all and put up on my blog and up on sliderpictures.net so that you can read along read along just in case you can't hear us um we appreciate everyone understanding and we thought uh, let me tell you both lydia and i spent a massive portion of our week trying to fix this yeah um we like our recording sessions are as such that it was like because some of you guys might be like, why wouldn't you just re-record the episode? Because there's a spontaneity to our episodes. You're always getting our authentic accent. We don't script this shit out at all. So trying to recapture this stuff would seem really artificial to me. And Not I, even it's impossible. I think like we yeah. take notes. We hardly read our notes, but we sort of had to live this once. Uh, the end of our Halloween two commentary episode. I mm-hmm. uh, ran out of fucking disk space and yeah. didn't realize. And we had maybe, wrap, we were just wrapping up the episode. So it wasn't a big loss, but it was 15 minutes. Yeah. But what we said was really relevant, important stuff. And we were wrapping up the episodes. We needed to, it wasn't just us chit-chatting. Like if, if we ran out of disk space right now, we're just apologizing for shit. So it doesn't like actually <laughs> matter. And we yeah. could delete all of this. Yeah. But we couldn't delete all of that. We did actually have to go back and recreate 15 minutes of dialogue between you and I. And Mm. it did come out semi-stilted compared to what we had originally said. And there were thoughts that were original and entirely lost because we're firing off one another. So that sort of thing would be entirely lost and it would Mm. feel like a scripted podcast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we see you got your guys' reactions on Twitter and and Facebook and stuff like that, letting us know that you're going to be watching the movie and you're getting excited. And so... What are we going to do? Like, not give you an episode? Like, we could have scrapped it. And that was something that we, like, talked about for maybe a nanosecond. Maybe we should just scrap the episode. And we're like, fuck it. You, like, give you guys the episode that you want, even if the audio quality is not there. At least you're not just like, where's our fucking episode? So you get to hear what it sounds like at the very least. Yeah. And there is there are some interesting tangents that we go off, even though I end up talking about myself. Like, Well, that was important. Much. Like, we need to talk about your I work. I we talk about my... We, I'm getting like, ah. No, I know, I know, I know. There was a lot of Lydia talk on the Bind Torture cast episode. There was, but you know what? Sometimes a couple of weeks dedicated to talking about you. Our weeks well spent. Our weeks well spent. Yeah, it was much more fun uh, outside of our show because we it's painful for us. Or it's painful for me sometimes. I'm a narcissist. Here. I could talk about myself all fucking day. Yeah, we need to talk about you more, Wes. <laughs> we do. I liked also things that might have been lost. If there are people that get a little bit into the episode and give up on it because it doesn't sound good. And I am picky like that with some shows. There are some shows I listen to that I will put up with all that bullshit. Um, True Murder with Dan Spansky is one of them. I don't care if he doesn't edit another thing in his life. I don't care (laughs) if he can't hear his colors. I don't care if it sounds like he showed in my ear. I will listen to every show he does. But... Some shows I don't have that sort of patience for, right? So I didn't, I wouldn't blame anyone for not listening to the last episode. But they would have missed out on some insight into Wes and his martial arts expertise. <laughs> Which is, you know, conversations that people just don't have about cabin fever. That's true. Yeah. And and talk of, like, um, males enjoying anal sex. Yeah. Uh, well-written, effeminate, strong male characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All sorts of really cool conversations. So if you didn't listen to it... It makes me, Mm -hmm. that little tiny dried up, tiny little wiggly thing in there. It makes my heart hurt. (laughs) 
Yeah, but in the future, we'll try to make sure that this uh, type of thing doesn't happen. And as annoying as it could be for you guys, believe me, it's 10 times more annoying for us who produce the show when it's not up to our own standards. Because our standards are pretty high. And I'm not even saying that sarcastically. Our audio standards are pretty fucking high. I can't tell sarcasm very well. So you'll. I'm glad that you said that you weren't being sarcastic. What do we got next for him? Coming up next, we have a fan request for The Stuff. And we're going to have The Stuff when we do the movie The Stuff. So we're going to be stuck in the 80s for a little tiny bit. Just for a little tiny bit. And then we have a super awesome special Canada Day episode. Mm-hmm. Should we announce it or should we keep it a secret? Fuck it. Just do it. Let's commit to it. My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> kind of exploitation at its finest. One mm-hmm. of the best 80s slashers ever, really. Mm-hmm. And it's dark it's atmospheric it takes place in not a hospital not a high school but mines a Um, mining town yeah very very scary very atmospheric and we may have a special guest for that one we'll find out Mm -hmm. but i'm super stoked about that one we are proud canadians and some great canadian horror does exist and nothing says canadian horror better than a horror movie that came out during the slasher boom that is regarded by horror aficionados as one of the best of the era. Yeah, it's beyond cult classic because a lot of times you think of cult classics and they're not necessarily always quote unquote good movies. But this is one that fits neatly into both. It's an excellent horror film Mm -hmm. and and it is considered cult classic because it has many, many fans and was kind of a buried gem for a while. No Mm -hmm. pun intended with the whole mine theme thing. (laughs) But I'm going to do my fucking hardest to get out of the 80s after that <laughs> not if i have anything to say about it i'm gonna claw to that kicking and screaming and on that note i'm west knight and i'm typical lydia and you've been listening to dead air 